Welcome, everybody, to this week's Friday Conversation. I'm here with Pat Jones, CEO of Women's Leadership Institute. Welcome, Pat. Thank Thanks. you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for you, being here. Um, so to get started, we are going to chat a little bit about Pat's background, um, her involvement in Women's Leadership Institute, and then you guys are very lucky today. She has an amazing presentation um, that she put together for a different event but is willing to share with you guys today. Um, so we'll go through a little bit of that. And then towards the end, as Caitlin mentioned, we'll do a little Q&A session. So if you have any questions, you'll have a chance to raise your hand, and a microphone will be brought around to you, and you can ask um, questions to Pat. So, Pat, if you could start by just telling us your background and how you got involved in Women's Leadership Institute. Sure. Um, my career background, so my business background, was in 1980, my husband and I started Dan Jones & Associates. So I was the co-founder and president of Dan Jones & Associates. And some of you may have heard that name. We used to do a lot of political polling, but we did mostly market research. So my job primarily was uh, traveling all over the country, conducting qualitative research, focus groups, and one-on-one -on -one interviews with just about every topic that you can think of. It was absolutely an amazing career that I had, and I was there from 1980 until we sold the company in 2010. The new owners, the Cicero Group, asked me to stay on for five years on an employment contract to help them with qualitative research. So it taught me, and I learned a little bit about a lot of different things, which made me very dangerous, right? <laughs> Yeah, um, and love then, it. And then during that time, I also ran for uh, a political office. I ran for the state house in 2000, representing uh, the Holiday, Mill Creek, Cottonwood Heights area. And then in 2006, I ran for the state senate and was the minority leader there for some years and spent eight years in the senate. And so I had a political background and a business background. And uh, in 2000, the end of 2014, uh, both of those things were coming to an end because we, my husband and I were moving and I didn't want to run for political office again uh, and have to give up my seat. So I thought I was retiring. I was turning 65 and usually people retire by then. But this is when I was asked to run the Women's Leadership Institute in 2015, January. Great. So. That's amazing. Um, and as we chatted beforehand, we started talking through um, one of the, the biggest components that you've researched is the complementary differences between men and women. And as we started going through those questions, you mentioned that you have a lot of information in this presentation. So if you want to jump into that and then um, we can continue that discussion, that would be amazing. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. It might be useful to hear about how the Women's Leadership Institute yeah. was first formed. Yes, yeah, background. In, in January of 2015, after I w was retiring <laughs> from those other two careers that I had, uh, I was called into the office of Scott Anderson. Some of you know Scott. Everybody knows Scott Anderson, the president of Zions Bank. And they do a lot of great work. And I had done quite a bit of qualitative research and quantitative research for Zions Bank over the years. And he brought me in his office and he says, Pat, we have a real challenge in the state of Utah. He said, uh, there, just as an example, there had recently been a New York Post magazine article titled Five Places That Women Should Not Spend Their Travel Dollars. And those places were Turkey, Indonesia, El Salvador, Saudi Arabia, and Utah. And so we have this perception problem, especially outside of the state of Utah. 
And it was harming our ability to attract and retain talent here. So there was an urgency with a lot of our business community about making changes here, you know, both, you know, reality, but also perception. And so he asked me, uh, this was in January 2015. He said, Pat, if you will take this assignment, he says, we will fund you for two years. You'll have a full-time assistant and you'll have a nice office in the Salt Lake Chamber. And in 10 minutes, I had my next career. So that was almost nine years ago. And this has been such an amazing experience because it combines both my political and my business background. And it's just been a joy to watch men and women working together. And I have to say, Bree, one of the things that's been so uh, successful about our efforts in the state of Utah, we are a statewide organization has been the engagement of men. We consider men as allies and advocates of women. And that's critical to the success of what we're doing. Half of my board is men, and they're amazing men and women on it. So, uh, you know, that I needed to share that. Yes, I love that. I love that they're allies instead of it being, I mean, the more that we can work together, the better things will be. And so one of the things you're going to touch on is this value of gender diversity, especially in business and in the workplace. Yes. And that is the message that is really resonating with people is when I do present um, quite often yesterday, uh, I was presenting at the large Athena Awards in Salt Lake, and this is the presentation I used. I did it with my husband, so it's kind of interesting. I just got married in January, remarried. My former husband passed away five years ago. Um, so uh, so he and I presented together. He's also a professor of leadership and ethics. So anyway, I want to give that caveat too. Uh, the additive value of women is is really the message that is working with businesses, men and women, understanding that we have complementary differences. So I'm going to quickly take you through the why. Why do we need more women in leadership? Because that's ultimately what people ask about. You know, it's nice to have, you know, to let people know that we have, you know, a lot of women here and there. But what is the value that is brought when you have more women in leadership? That's really the message that I like to deliver. And it's one that men love to hear as well. All right. Will this work? Okay. Good. This was on the fly because I didn't know I was showing this today. So, no, You're doing great. And thank okay. you. This will be super okay. valuable to the audience. The biggest reason or one of the big reasons is 80% of the consumer decisions are made by or highly influenced by women. I absolutely knew that from doing market research focus groups for 35 years that men and women think differently. They buy and purchase things differently. But women are highly influential in those decisions. So that's a big reason for including women in senior leadership, whether it's the service or products that you make and serve and so forth. Um, I'm going to just uh, allude to four different sources today. Uh, Barbara Annis is a, a person I consider my mentor. She is out of Toronto, Canada. I have been to several of her deep dives um, and I've been to her home in Toronto a couple of times. She uh, works with neuroscientists to understand the differences in men and women's brains. Okay, and there are some differences they're finding because they can actually watch now brains in, in action with some of the new MRIs and so forth. So these are some of the sources that I will cite today. Um, the best thing that we can do is understand and educate ourselves about how men and women think differently or the same, but 
oftentimes differently. So this is an actual case here. This is my husband. Um, he's the one that teaches uh, ethics and leadership. And this is a true story. We went, we went swimming last summer, and he took the book that he was reading, which is there, The Female Brain, and unbeknownst to me, I took the book I was reading, The Male Brain, and so this guy next to us said, you guys must have a really interesting marriage. And I go, well, we do. We do. But, under, yeah, what's that? Was, was it empty? Was it empty? <laughs> Which one? No, I, I always ask him, did you finish it? I wanted to know if he finished it. But there are some really interesting things in there on, in both of those books. This was written by uh, a neuroscientist, Luanne Bresendine, and she's really good. And if you really want to understand, um, for my daughters, they, she has teenage boys. <laughs> she says, I don't understand them. I'm like, read the male brain and you will understand them. So educating ourselves about why we think the way they do is really, really important. And it helps us in our relationships at home and also at work. So I would highly recommend some of these books we're talking about. So I love this slide. If you just read through it, this explains things. Um, how women choose shampoo. If you saw my shower, I'm sure a lot of women in here would agree with this. And my husband's shower is very different, um, different sorts of products there. So there are many different kinds of evidences that we see every day that men and women do think differently. How we pack, how we pack our clothing. Uh, we went to London this year, and my husband said when, when we decided to go, he says, okay, we're just going to do a carry-on. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, no London. way, we're going to be there two weeks. I'm not doing that with a carry-on. And then I knew that. He thought that, but we didn't do a carry-on. But uh, he packs differently than I do. This is uh, my closet in St. George. Both sides are the closet, but his area is where the yellow arrows are. <laughs> okay, so uh, again, another evidence of, and I know this is typical because women always go, that oh, looks like ours too. So anyway, women are better able to notice and remember details. There's been quite a bit of research about this. Women are better able to read body language and better able to read facial expressions. And uh, you can go online and look this up, but this is why women make really good salespeople is because we, can, we have the ability to read those emotional parts of a person faster. Than, it's not to say men can't. And I want to make one thing clear here, that not all men think alike and not all women think alike. But there are some strong tendencies on how we think alike and differently. Um, also, women, there's a part of our brain where we remember longer because we have emotional attachments to things. And so a lot of men will say, uh, she brought up something I did 30 years ago that she didn't like and she still remembers it and I have no clue what she's talking about. So the deeds from the past is something that women tend to remember too. So um, here's another example. If you ask someone to go into a, you know, a large conference or something and you ask them to take a seat, uh, a lot of men see the seat. You know, that's where I'm going to sit. Whereas women will kind of purvey the, the whole room. Women have a sense and the ability to kind of get a sense of what the emotional vibe is and who's there, what colors they're wearing. Uh, there's a real quick um, uptake 
on, and it's fairly immediate uh, that women have that ability to do that. The reason I'm pointing out these differences is because these differences can be leveraged at home and in the workplace, and sometimes they're undervalued or not valued at all, and they should be. Women also are more risk-averse. There's been a lot of research on this, and uh, this is how men take a little bit more risk. Now, lest you think this is a stock photo on the right, I actually took this picture while I was waiting for a light on Highland Drive and 5600 South. (laughs) It's a true picture. I could not believe it. But uh, men take to, tend to take more risks, especially when they're young. You know that the prefrontal cortex doesn't really mature until 25 years old for a lot of men. And this is not putting men down. It's just we're different. We have complementary differences. Uh, women also can smell better. Did you know that? Of course, before COVID. <laughs> Maybe that's different now. Um, but a lot of women will go into their teenage son's uh, bedroom and smell something different than maybe the teenager does. And it's because we have double the number of neurons in our smelling part of our brain. So um, there, this is really interesting research too. There's, um, there's a tendency for men to think front to back and then women to use the two hemispheres of our brain more intricately. It means that women tend to be better multitaskers And men tend to want to move off of something and solve it quicker. So if there's a problem in front of men, they'll want to know or don't want to know all of the details of something. But what's the problem? Let's fix it and let's move on to the next thing. Have you found that to be the case? Okay. So, um, and then for women, uh, if you're in a boardroom or something, which has happened to me many times, boardroom, you know, committee meeting or something, Uh, Sometimes it takes women a little longer to come up with solutions, but they're generally more complex and more complete and different than those brought up by men. So it doesn't mean that a man's not good or a woman's. It's just that we are different, and it's important to have those different perspectives uh, come to fore. Um, There's a reason for this, and I'm going to very quickly on one slide show you that. It's because our brains have two emotional systems running simultaneously. It's kind of complex, and it's in the male brain and the female brain, if you really want to get to know more about it. It's the MNS system. It's the emotional part where everybody, men and women, would see someone crying, for instance, and we both have this MNS going on. But men's brains are more able to move on to the fix-it stage than our women's brains. Does that help explain the previous brain picture? It's because men can move on faster to the fix-it. And this is why a lot of men are known to uh, you know, not focus too much on things. Don't give me the details. When is she going to you know, finish this long story that she's telling me? That, that happens quite often. So you might want to pick that up. Um, and it then doesn't mean women don't have cognitive empathy. We do. It just takes us a little longer to get there. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, let's move on. 
Uh, women make great leaders, but they need confidence and opportunity. This is from me. This is from working in the business that I'm working in right now after nine years. I'm like, what is the bottom line? Because I often get asked that. You know, what have you learned? Um, if you have confidence and opportunity, you will see women succeed. Um, and an interesting thing on confidence, there's been some recent data, and it's a fairly um, rigorous study that shows that men and women, when they're younger, in their 20s and 30s, that men are much more confident than, confident than women are. And then as we age, there it crosses. And when women hit late 40s, 50, our confidence goes way up. Okay, maybe we just don't give a crap anymore what people think. That could be. <laughs> That could be, but there's a lot of evidence, and I certainly see that. And then a men's tends to stay a little bit the same or drop after the age of 50. Have you found that to be the case? That's uh, fairly often, too. Um, women also need to be valued for our inherent abilities and contributions in a system that was built by and for men. Again, this is not a complaint against men. It's just the way the system has been. And so, you know, you see women breaking into the system. When I say breaking, I mean that in a good way. Entering the system in a place where they haven't helped build it. And uh, there's been a lot of research lately. I like The Confidence Code. That's another great book that's just came out uh, in helping us understand power. And I'm going to quickly allude to that in just a minute. One of my favorite people, and he lives in Orem. Do you guys know Jack Zanger? Uh, well-known internationally. He writes for the Harvard Business Review. He was on my board for a while. I adore this guy, and he does great research. Sanger Folkman, um, and they're well-known internationally. They have done s several studies, but the one that uh, he wants to share with me, and he has given me free license to share with everybody, is uh, in 2012, they did this very large study of 60,000 interviews, and they interviewed men and women and uh, asked them to evaluate their male and female bosses. And so the sample size was huge. There's a lot of reliability there. Then they repeated it again in 2019, same number, 60,000. And they found similar trends, but there were a couple of nuances this last time, which I'll go over. But what they found is that women outperformed men on 17 of the 19 competencies. Here's another reason why we need to have more women in leadership, at least a balance of women, is because they bring these great competencies, and they include these things. And as you look through this list, these are the very things that companies are looking for when they're hiring new people, the very things that companies say, I'm having trouble finding these things in some of the people that are applying for work. I haven't let you speak. No, Lee. you're, you like you're amazing. I just have a question there. If, if what have you seen, if these are the things that companies are looking for, why is it that there is such an imbalance of women in leadership? That's a very good question. I have done in-depth studies in my research life uh, with mostly with tech CEOs. And what they came up with is the question was, what skills are you looking for that you're having trouble finding? And there were four of them. There was some other caveats. But number one, the ability to speak in public. 
the ability to communicate orally. They're struggling finding people because nowadays it's not just the CEO that does it. It's the engineer. It's everybody's talking internationally now. It's a whole different ballgame now. And so the ability to communicate orally, the ability to write is pretty much non-existent now. Right? I keep, yeah, Melanie. <laughs> um, the ability to be creative thinker, problem solving. Those are the four struggling with that. There's also this nuance now where you have older and younger workers working together. You know, I mean, I just as an example, so I'm 73. I don't mind telling people, you know, that's just who I am. My uh, people that I work with, are in their 40s, and they would say things to me, and I have no clue what they're talking about. I said, so finally I said, Nicole, I'm going to write something for you so that you'll understand me. And I wrote in shorthand. Do you guys know what shorthand is? <laughs> and the shorthand said, of course, she didn't read it. If you can read this, raise your hand. Well, she just looked at me like, what? You know, it looked like Arabic or something to her. Um, but I said, I don't expect you to know this but you're expecting me to know what you know. So this ability to communicate, you know, with different ages now and in different geographical areas is really a competency that we're needing now. Okay, so I kind of got off track a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's great. But Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure you'll touch on it too, but how, what are the barriers that you've seen for women and how do they overcome those? A lot of the barriers are, it's complicated. Can we just say that? Yes. Um, I'm going to give you in a minute some things that can be done, and I think we can probably touch on that. Right. Yeah. There are many barriers, and they tend to be, if you look at a like a rung on a ladder, it's the first rung for women. It's getting into the managerial roles is the where women fall out. Some of it is because women do oftentimes drop out for a while to have birth, you know, give birth have families, uh, and childcare. Do you know what childcare costs now? You know, so sometimes it doesn't, it's not worth it to go to work because you're spending everything you earn for childcare. I mean, it's fifteen, seventeen hundred a month, mm-hmm. a month, you know, so no wonder we're seeing this. Yeah. So there's a lot of barriers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, keep going then. Yeah, okay, let's go. Okay. So men and women score equally on innovation. This is from Jack Sanger's uh, research. And men excel at two things. Uh, it's not to say they're not good at these other things. It's just that women outperform them slightly. Technical and professional expertise and developing strategic perspective. Strategy is a really interesting thing. I've had Barbara Annis tell me on strategy, women are really good at strategy too. It's just that our communication, our language that we use is different than men's in communicating it. So I always tell women, use the word strategy a lot when you're speaking to people. Just say, here's my strategy. Because women are good at strategy. It's just that men have been known to have a strategy in the way they work, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, again, so important that we know that this is a complementary difference that we see. Um, The QWERTY model, anybody familiar with that? Mm -hmm. I've used a typewriter like this before. I don't know if you all have, but if you look at your phones right now, your keyboard is the same keyboard as this old-fashioned typewriter. Things have not changed, and there's a reason why it's Q-W-E-R-T-Y, 
because your little pinky finger doesn't use have to use a cue very often. It was hard to push that down. The keys would stick, right? And so the most common letters were the ones where you had the strongest fingers. Well, that doesn't work anymore. I mean, we've all seen people, you know, do this on their phones. Maybe it's our thumbs that are the strongest now. But we're still using this model. And I like to liken that with um, how things are with women's leadership. As we've always done things a certain way. We need to think things differently. Um, again, I want to cite, this is from the Power Code by Caddy Kay and um, Claire Shipman, which just barely came out. And they talk about power and how women and men look at power differently. Again, not, one's not better than the other, but women tend to think of power too. I see this when I train women to run for political office. Because you ask them, why are you thinking of running? Because I want to find more education funding. I want to help clear the environment. Men want that too, but women run for that certain reason. They run to, to change things for the better. And men look at power as power over. And I don't mean that negatively. It just means it's you know some control over something. And that's been the way that things have worked for a long time. Uh, women inherently understand that power can be about encouragement, sharing credit, and getting the whole enterprise working better. That's from the power code. And I love this picture. It's old-fashioned, but guess what? It's the woman that's plugging back the country, <laughs> and I'd love to see that more. Um, so what are the hurdles? And I think, Bree, this goes to what you talked about. Um, Barbara Annis has done a great study uh, nationally. She asked thousands of women and thousands of men what challenges are you facing working with the opposite gender? So this is people in the workplace. What are the challenges that they're facing? There were five for each that came up. And this is one of the favorite parts of this presentation that a lot of people like. So I'm going to go quickly through it. For men, what are the top five challenges working with women? The first one is men feel they have to be careful how they interact with women at work. Walking on eggshells. Now, I, I do a lot of presentations for mostly men in audiences, and I can read body language really well. And men just go, they're thinking, absolutely, this is true. But men typically don't talk about this, but they don't know how to relate to, how to talk to women. You know, can I go to lunch alone with a woman and we can talk about business? You know, there's a lot of, you know, I've had men say, I opened a door for a woman, and she about knocked my head off. You know, and I was like, that's up to women. We need to just you know, have it human. And so we need to have more communication in how, what our expectations are. But men are really worried about this. Men, you don't have to say this, but if you want to, you could. Do you agree with that? Is it difficult? Yeah? Okay. Uh, men also are concerned about what they perceive as reverse discrimination. How many times have you heard, well, I'm not going to apply for that. I'm not going to have my teenage son apply for a scholarship because he's a white male. I've heard that a lot. And so this perception that, uh, you know, you're not going to get the job because you're a white male is very pervasive. It's a concern for men. And we should be uh, listening to that because whether it's true or not, we need to validate that a lot of men feel that way. Uh, men fear harassment allegations. That's a big one, too. Men are confused about today's rules. 
You know, I talked about the opening the door, <laughs> you know, and I, I was actually at a large construction company and they had all men uh, that I was presenting to and they started talking about it. Uh, and one of man said, well, I would open up the door to the office, but I wouldn't open a car door for a woman, which I thought was kind of interesting, but there's th definitely a concern. And then men want to be part of the solution, but don't know how to go about it. Okay, so that those are the five. I'm going to quickly go through this, Brie. Perfect. Yeah, go ahead. Is it, do you want me to continue? Go ahead, yeah. Okay. Women feel just, this is the number one. How many of you women have felt dismissed? Okay, most women. What's interesting on this one is a lot of men don't know what this means. They don't, they can't relate to it because they don't see it. Um, but if you're in a, in a committee or a meeting uh, and come up, a woman comes up with a solution or an idea, it's like, oh, thank you very much. And then a man says the same thing and it's like, oh, that's a great idea. Or, you know, offering solutions, recommendations in the office and then nothing happens. This feeling of dismissiveness is really big for women. And if you want to improve that, go back to your offices, go back to your homes, and just say, what does that mean to you to be dismissed? Be specific. You know, I like to do that. Guess what? It opens up communications, which our Women's Leadership Institute has really helped a lot of companies do that. It's opening up communications. Women feel left out. Does that look familiar to anybody? <laughs> You know, I, I got onto this one when I would go out to different companies to tell them about the, our Elevator Challenge. I was like, where are the men? Oh, they're out on a golf tournament. I'm like, oh, why are you not there? Uh, probably why I wouldn't be, because I have golf clubs and that's about it. Um, but there's a lot of work, a lot of connection, relationship building, advancement, promotion speak on the golf course. Golf is the language of business. So guess what? We started a golf tournament <laughs> about seven or eight years ago, and it was wildly popular. We taught etiquette. We had pros teach the basics. And now the last three years, we've been the exclusive charity partner for the LPGA Epson Tour in Southern Utah, and we'll continue to be. They want us back because it's important for women to know about these casual networks that men are so good at, that uh, where a lot of some of these relationship building things are going on. I'm going to try and quickly go through this. Um, women feel scrutinized. We feel like we have to be better than anybody else. We have to check every box before we want to be promoted and so forth. Women feel scrutinized. They feel like uh, oftentimes have to act like men in order to advance. We've probably seen that. Never had a man say, I want women to act more like men. Never had that. If you feel that way, let me know after. Uh, women are concerned about tokenism. Nobody wants to be picked for a position, whatever, because of their gender or their color or their whatever. We want to be picked because we qualify and we have an opportunity. So there's some actions that can be taken. The, the Women's Leadership Institute, very quickly, we are a 501c3, so we're a nonprofit. We're positive and, and proactive in our efforts. We consider men as allies and advocates of women, and they are. Utah has amazing men. Uh, and then we created the Elevate Her Challenge very quickly. I, as soon as I was asked to run this, I went back to Boston. They had something similar, wasn't exactly the same. And I got some ideas back there. They, uh, Governor Patrick shared everything with me. And I came back here and named it one night, in the middle of the night, the Elevate Her Challenge. And this is what it is. The Elevate Her Challenge can be taken by companies. It does not cost anything. 
it's a it's a template for success for your company, and it uh, it's not prescriptive. We don't ask for money to take the, to elevate her challenge. We don't ask for numbers because we care about moving forward. That's what we care about. This is a commitment to do the following. If you do all of them, your ROI will be enhanced. Your ability to attract and retain talent will be enhanced. Your employees will be happier. Uh, but this Elevate Her Challenge is a commitment to put more women in senior leadership, to look at the retention rate, to put more women on boards. This doesn't happen overnight, by the way. It takes some time. To look at the pay by gender, which is big in Utah, mentoring and sponsorship programs, and to help women run for public office. I can tell you, running for a political office was the best thing I ever did because it helps you. It's the best leadership development training you can ever have. Okay, you have to, there's so many different benefits to it. And I'd be glad to share with you. We do have a political development series where we're training women. This is our ninth year. We've trained almost 400 women statewide to run for different offices. Most of them are running for city council, mayor, you should see St. George, who, you know, there's like several mayors down there. And then they move up. And this is usually how it works. Uh, it's nonpartisan, by the way. Okay? And so we also have a career development series. Mid to, to senior level women. We travel to a different company every month. We have had last year uh, the uh, Supreme Court. All th Do you know that we have a majority female Supreme Court? Three out of our five justices are females. They all spoke. It was amazing. So that's the quality that we have. And it's, we will be at Lendio this year. That's where one of our classes will be. We love Silicon Slopes, by the way. And uh, so that starts in January. It'll be our sixth one. So if you're interested. Anyway, all Do of these things. Do you have any specific success stories that stand out to you from this program? Which one? The Elevate Her Challenge. Oh, yes. Okay, I'm going to move to it. Perfect. Sorry. Okay. Don't mean to jump ahead. That's okay. I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to end, and then we'll have Q&A. Great. Is that right? Great. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, when do you think men start thinking about this? When they have daughters. When they have daughters or granddaughters. So I'm going to finish with my one of my favorite success stories. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, um, I was called by Brett Hopkins, who's the CEO of Garf Automotive. Can you think of a more male-dominated industry than car dealerships? Okay, it's probably one of the most. Um, and he said, Pat, we have 71 dealerships throughout the United States. I had no idea they were that big. They are. And he said, 20% of our whole enterprise is women. And he said, but we have two car dealerships that are killing it. And they have 40% women. One of them's in Orem. Yay. And one's in California. Uh, and he says, we want to replicate that. We want more women because we want, you know, our bottom line to grow. He says, will you come and speak with our executive team? And I did. I showed them some brain stuff. I showed, you know, some different stuff. They loved it. So they said, will you come back in a few weeks and speak to our general managers? I did. Same thing. Same thing. Okay, will you come to Palm Springs and present to our whole enterprise in April? I did. So after that, and the reason I tell you this is because I shortly thereafter got an email from this guy. His name's Joe Bernard, and he's their HR director. And he said, Pat, I have now heard you three times. And I go, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but he said, I have this precocious five-year-old daughter, and she asked me a few weeks ago, Dad, how come you teach my older brothers to mow the lawn but not me? 
And he says, normally I would have said to, to her, well, that's their job. I'm, you know, your job is indoors or whatever it is. But he says, I thought about what you had talked about. And he says, so I went out that day and I bought a lightweight lawnmower. And he says, we've been mowing this lawn now for several weeks. And guess what I found? She mows straighter. <laughs> she avoids the sprinklers. She loves getting up on Saturday morning to mow the lawn with her dad. And he says, we have this amazing relationship now. And I, that story I tell a lot because it's such an important story. And I told it yesterday again, and I had people crying coming up to me afterward because there's more to the story. The story is important because that little girl asked for what she wanted, and women oftentimes fail to do that. We are so busy serving others, thinking about other people, making sure everybody else is happy, without thinking of ourselves. What is it that we want? What is it that we need? in our careers, in our family life, whatever it is. And we don't do that enough. So I always ask, especially women, with the help of men too, to think about what it is that you're wanting, what is your needing, and then communicate it to the right people that can make that happen. This little girl did that. There's a great message in there for men and women. Wouldn't you agree? So there's one little piece of that. A couple of weeks ago, I got an updated picture from Joe Bernard, and there's his little girl teaching her little brother how to mow the lawn. And that's what happens. That's what happens. So I'm going to stop. Yeah, I love that. Um, we're going to open it up to some questions now. Becca at the back has a microphone, so if you have a question for Pat, feel free to raise your hand, and we'll bring a mic to you. So the story that you just shared speaks to me in in some language that I've heard in the past benevolent and fill in the blank sexism discrimination bias all of those kinds of things how can we bring that to the attention of those that we work with that are administrators c-suite others at lower levels so that they are not trained into more of that thinking and it becomes more difficult for us to have those very powerful and important discussions. Thank you for that question. First of all, rarely is this intentional, okay? I mean, most men don't wake up saying, I really want to be a sexist, benevolent sexist. You know, that doesn't happen. Men really want to do this, and that's what I found, especially in Utah. I really love the men here. And, and so it's a matter of education. And I have always felt, and you know, I'm in my ninth year now, that education, like I've just shown you, the value that women bring to the table is the best message because it doesn't blame and shame men. And so um, if you find, you women, if you find that you're offended by something a man said, don't shout them out in front of others. You know, take them on the side and just say, here's what, you know, what, how this landed on me. And let me give you this advice going forward. Let's, let's educate each other. Let's open up lines of communication. My husband teaches something that's so critical, and that is to be honest and respectful together. It doesn't mean sometimes, especially in Utah, we're passive aggressive. It's like I'm afraid of hurting their feelings, so I'm going to just make it soft. But we need to be more honest with each other. 
but we can do it in a very respectful way. Those things together, honest respectfulness and respectful honesty. And when you have that in the workplace and at home, it will absolutely change the trajectory. So uh, make a list and uh, see what you need and then take it to the right people and you know with the right people with you and say here it is in a respectful manner does that make sense honest respectfulness and respectful honesty i love that hi i'm i've been given the opportunity in a platform to be able to have leaders women in leadership gather together for free education and topics being presented to them what in your opinion would be the one or two things of topics that should be covered that they don't even realize that they need women in leadership to come together and to learn about one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we wrestle with this every year when we create our curriculum for our career development series. What is it that, that women need to really help them break out? And so this is, uh, there's not any one perfect answer to that. But I would say the ability and willingness to take a risk and the ability to accept failure, those two things, women are typically not really good at that, either one of them. And, uh, you know, failure is an important part of success. Um, and, you know, my, my mom, who just passed away, she was 101. She was a career woman, and uh, I always appreciated her that... Um, Literally, people say, well, you can do anything you want. No, we can't. There's too many barriers. And, and maybe it's a wrong season of your life. Maybe you've got little kids and you can't do everything you know, that maybe you want to do. There's a season for everything. So um, I would say those two things um, would be have them take our career development series. They'll learn all of that. Yeah. Love that. Hi. I have a question and maybe a statement. Uh, you mentioned that car dealerships that were killing it, two of them in Utah. Yeah. I'm just curious, was one of them in uh, Orem, was that the Mazda dealership by yeah. chance? Was it the Mazda dealership by chance? Um, I don't think so, but is there a reason you asked that? Yeah, because I, I have an older sister who actually, a lot of her family actually works at that dealership, and um, she wanted to be with her boys more, a couple of more salesmen at the time, and uh, so she petitioned, because she had been doing their bookkeeping, she petitioned to be able to be out on the sales floor. And uh, for a long time, they wouldn't let her. And, and so finally, they, you know, when she kind of threatened to leave, if, if they didn't, they, they thought, well, we'll give her a shot. She'll probably quit in a couple weeks, whatever. Uh, so my sister's 65, short, long hair, pretty. But uh, anyhow, she's been a salesman for him now for gosh probably three or four years and she has knocked out all records she's been the top Love salesman it. every month matter of fact she just mentioned to me the other day that she took off almost a full month and she was still in second place after coming back for a number of cars sold so anyhow just thought i would they, let me just say this they have changed their perspective in the last couple, year and a half and that's what i've seen and uh, they're making intentional moves to do that. And so are many other companies, by the way. It's not just them. You ask for an example. That's one. Uh, but, yes, women are really good at this if they're given the opportunity. But thank you for sharing that. I don't remember if it was the Mazda dealership. It might have been. 
You said that women lack confidence and opportunity. How do you change the first one? How do you help women gain that confidence? That's a, what, the million-dollar question. One of the things that we can do is that we can role model and mentor our younger women, and that's something that we partner with some other organizations like the uh, Success in Education Group that's mentoring you know, young women. Um, women, as soon as they hit to be get to be around seventh, sixth, seventh grade, young our young girls um, lose that confidence in spades. A lot of it is social media. There's a lot of things that can point to that. But having good mentors who are female, this is why it's so important to get women in leadership so that they can set an example. I mean, I'll give you a, a personal example real quickly. My granddaughter ran for a senior class president in her high school a few years ago. And uh, she, so she spoke at her commencement. And I said, and she was up on the big screen in the Delta Center. I said, Jenna, I'm so proud of you. And she said, well, Grandma, you know why I did it. Well, she helped me on all five of my campaigns. She walked with me. And, and so to have, we don't realize that we're being, we're mentoring. We don't realize that we're role models oftentimes. But to have us be a little more intentional about you know, reaching out to our young girls is, is really important. And dads, too. Men make wonderful mentors for girls, just like the lawnmower story. Mm -hmm. That's one of them. Thank you. Um, someone said um, his sister had to threaten to quit in order to receive a promotion or an opportunity. And I feel like that happens a lot, especially I call it a loyalty tax. I think that's a ter term. I'm not sure, but... You know, when we are loyal, good employees, we have been somewhere for many years, uh, we ask for a promotion, say, oh, it's just not there, not in the budget, and just keeps going this way over the years. And um, you also said, you know, we are risk averse. I don't want to leave my job. I'd rather not, but also I need to think about my career. Is there a book <laughs> I could recommend to my boss or my CEO where they could sort of take a look at that and have a little bit more compassion towards employees that I feel they take for granted because they've been around for years, therefore they'll stay for another number of years regardless of promotion or no promotion. Is there anything we can do to help them see that that's a problem? <laughs> I would go back to what I said earlier about helping to educate the value of it. I would be happy to come to your office if that would be helpful. Yes, I'll, I'll give you my card after. And I do that quite a bit. I mean, I, I have a, we have a staff of three, so, you know, there are three of us. But, um, you know, usually in order to succeed, you have to have leadership at the top that really believes in it. And it can't be just like an ERG. It can't be a women's resource group, which is helpful. It's good for networking. But you need to have men and women who are equally, uh, who see the benefits of, you know, being intentional about uh, women's leadership because of the value there. And so I would say go get some of your sisters in uh, that you work with <laughs> sisters female um, and just say you know here's what we want so be intentional about it and kind of plan something and just say here's why give a good business case for it I've given you some here um, you know here's why and here's what it would look like because again this is usually not intentional this is usually they don't see the vision they haven't had to so but they're missing out 
if they're not. I, that's not a great answer, but anyway, I'd be glad to help. Awesome. Okay, last question here. Pat, thanks for being here today. This has been wonderful. Um, my name is Caressa, um, and I wanted to, to know if, um, if you've worked with companies that have had on-site or near-site childcare, and have those companies been more successful? And then um, second part of the question is, if you're a woman who have young children at home and you want to work and you need childcare, what is the best way for us to in your opinion, ask for that, because I feel some women do want that. I'm one of them. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, let me just tell you the good trend that I'm seeing, and then I'll answer your question, is I'm seeing men also wanting this. You know, this is a whole different dynamic now, uh, where men want to go see their kids' soccer games, too. They're equally in. Now, you have single moms or single dads, that where this might be more of a problem. Um, I'll tell you, it's a mixed bag. It's very difficult to have on-site childcare. I have not heard a lot of positives, and I haven't. But I think what would work better is to give a tax credit for companies that are uh, willing to give to their employees who need and can find it on their own. There is an office of childcare in the state of Utah, and that's who I would call, um, you know, to find out those things. I testified on behalf of a bill a few years ago in the Senate, and um, you know, it's just as a as a as a citizen that I wanted to see that um, that ability to give a tax credit for companies that would give a t you know some money to help their employees go out and find quality, affordable childcare. I believe that's the better way to do it. You know, on site is really expensive, and there's a lot of regulations. Most companies are not willing to do that, and I, frankly, I don't blame them, really. But we need more options for women and men. Um, we want to be respectful of your time, Pat, but last question. How do people learn more about Women's Leadership Institute and get involved? Our website is www.wliutwomensleadershipinstituteofutah.com. Now, some people mix us up with the Susan Madsen Group, the Utah Women's Leadership Project, and they're great, but they're different than we are. <laughs> we work with businesses primarily. Uh, I'm one of the spoke leaders. I work with, with in there, but I like our Elevate Her Challenge. I like that we have tangible things that are working, tangible programs that are working that are actually changing cultures. Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. Um, and Pat has mentioned she's got about 10, 15 minutes to stick around and, and chat with you all, but we want to be respectful of her time. Um, but thank you so much for being here today, Pat. This has been super insightful and helpful to me. I hope it's been helpful to all of you as well. Um, so let's give it up for Pat. Thank you.